1: a miracle
2: Jump so catch so like me imagine low even the bye so come no
3: I've heard somewhere before. Abba, Shamatha Hashira,
2: Mimul.
3: Why, why? It's our mm-hmm. Zemel
1: from East al We now
3: are good friends, which I guess is no kidding And you should hear how,
1: He's love to play. And Calvin now eats one big bowl of
3: gusus every day. We look forward to sharpness to come, get to home. And the spirit of Ketisha. And most of all, we love Zibirot. to chant with our son. And this old tune from Kalman,
1: it's Mach Nit Ois. This old tune.
3: Samuel,
1: we
3: see. Ay, ay, we
0: For those of you who never heard that song before, it goes back to Journey's volume number four. It's called Shvashkinaz. and it's uh, a great tune and a great point. And a pretty cool story. A.B. Rottenberg and Company, of course, uh, at JM in the AM. That is from Journeys, volume number four. Uh, before that, Hine, done by Benny Friedman off the Sheer Double CD. You heard Yummy Lowy and Yismuchu. We Are a Miracle. That's Yaakov Shweki, brand new with the title track. Mordechai Shapiro's Chizku. Vahayu, done by Eitan Freilach. That's brand new. Shlomo Katz, Boy Vishalom off Likrat Shabbat. And of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this April the 15th, day 7 in the month of Nisan, the year 5776, Tufshin Ayin Vov. It is Erev Shabbos Parshas mitzora it's Erev Shabbos HaGadol, and candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos, 7.15, officially in this area, 7.15. Uh, a lot of synagogues begin earlier, make sure you know when things start where you are 44 degrees outside with 74% humidity, winds are calm, sunshine today and a high temperature of 64, then tonight clear skies, a low temperature of 45, tomorrow sunny weather and a high temperature of 66 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 70, we're at 44 under clear skies here in Jersey City, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline, one hour from now, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations. Our weekly update will be on the air. We'll have a chance to speak with him uh, coming up um, about 7.40 Eastern time. Rabbi Yudin's Shabbos HaGadol Drusha. his uh, lecture, his speech, his sermon for Shabbat HaGadol is coming up about 8.15 this morning. We'll try to get to him as on time as we can, or as in a timely fashion as we can. Um, He has much to say regarding uh, Shabbos HaGadol. And uh, we have amazing programming on our stream. Excuse me. We have amazing programming on our stream all day long at jmn.org, and, of course, on the NSN app where you can comment on anything going on during the show, including uh, Naomi Nachman, who's going to be speaking with both Susie Fishbein and Jay Booksbaum regarding Pesach Wines uh, coming up between 9 and 10. I do remind you that this coming Tuesday our full panel will be here in studio as we discuss the Pesach Products program. You'll have a chance to ask questions and to uh, get involved. And to get some answers in terms of uh, Pesach 5776 the Seder is one week from tonight we stand a week away from Erev Pesach and we are um, all excited about it no doubt The last week can be one of uh, of a lot of uh, busy things to do or I should say <laughs> I should say a lot of uh, a lot of things on people's list to take care of before the holiday arrives but then a week from tonight we get to sit down to the Seder uh, which is a um, which is an incredible family experience. So there you have it, 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. It's JM and the AM at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, org, and, of course, on the NSN app.
3: Reach across the cities, hands across the seas, heart
4: together, it's the sound of unity.
3: We're
2: linked in a chain, it changed the world, when you feel the strength you spread the
4: word.
2: We're linked in a chain, it changed the world, when we get together our voices
1: heard.
3: we
2: malakh lev- ahead- malakh la sois <laughs>
0: Shabbos I got those selections here at JM in the A.M. Yehuda Solomon with Vishamru, the Moshev band before that. The Werdiger family at Kelladone, You heard Ari Goldwag's Curry Bone. Hakel done by Eighth Day here at JM in the A.M. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Kale Tal in the background, news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Homeline, 40 minutes away. Our weekly update at 7.40 on Fridays. This will be the final one before the holiday of Pesach. On this era of Shabbos HaGadol. Malcolm homeline at 7.40 or by coming up at 8.15 with the Shabbos HaGadol drasha, The sermon for Shabbos HaGadol. Kale Tal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast for Friday is next. Bokir toe from Jamin
5: גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כנעות עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מדד המחירים לצרכן ירד בחודש מרס בשתי עשיריות האחוז. כתבנו תומר ורון. מדובר בחודש חמישי ברציפות שבו המדד רושם ירידות, בין הסיבות הבולטות, מחירי הפירות והערכות שירדו כמעט בארבעה אחוזים. בשנה האחרונה ירד המדד בשבע עשיריות האחוז, כשמחירי הדירות עלו ביותר משבעה אחוזים. The leader of בהריגת מחבל מנוטרל. in neutral attack. The מדינת of על כל
3: the State of Israel is ישראל every שעם ישראל ישראל in the of the the
5: את דברי בנט בחנס עמותת אור למשפחות השקולות הביא כתבנו אורי עגרה. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו ייוועד עם נשיא רוסיה ודלדימיר פוטין ביום חמישי הקרוב. בהודעת לשכת ראש הממשלה נאמר כי השניים ידונו בשורה של נושאים אקטואליים ובהם המצב בסוריה ויחסי ישראל עם הפלסטינים. בתוך כך מכריש הקרמלין כי פוטין ייפגש עם בכיר במשמרות המהפכה של קופי. שלושה מקורות שונים אישרו בפני סוכנות הידיעות רויטרס כי סולימני, מפקד כוח קוץ של משמרות המהפכה, ימרי למוסקבה והיפגש עם בכירי הנהגה והצבא. עם זאת, בהודעת מאון נשיא רוסיה נאמר, כאילו מתוכננת פגישה בין פוטין לבין הבכיר העירני. שרת התחבורה של בלגיה התפטרה בעקבות מתקפת הטרור על בריסל, כתבתנו דנה גוטר. ג'קלין גלה התפטרה מתפקידה לאחר שאושמה כי שקרה לגבי התעלמותה מתשלים בהבטחת שדה התעופה בבריסל. השרה טענה כי לא הגיעה של הייחוד האירופי שנשלח בשנה שעברה, והתריעה אל הליקויים לפני מתקפת הטרור בעיר בנהרגו 32 בני אדם. בעקבות האירועים, האופוזיציה בבלגיה דרשה את התפטרותה של השרה. כדורגל, נקבעו משחקי חציג מרו לגת
1: בהגרלה מקבעה שריאל מדרית תפגוש את מנצ'סטר סיטי בחצי הגמר, ועוד אתלטיקו מדרית תשחק מול ביירן מינכם. שלב חצי הגמר יצא לדרך ב-26 באפריל, ומשחקי הגומלים יתקיימו בשבוע שלאחר מכן.
5: תחזית מזג האוויר, מחר תורגש ובשני, החדשות אומרי
2: Here we go.
0: morning, Erev Shabbos, it's J.M. in the A.M., Eliyahu Anavi, that's a uh, perfect tune for Erev Shabbos HaGadol, Simcha Liner at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, the Rabbi's sons had uh, Shabbos Kodesh off of their CD entitled Kivinu from a few years back. J.M. in the A.M. at a quarter after 7 o'clock, Erev Shabbos HaGadol, Erev Shabbos Parshas Mitsora, candle lighting time at 7.15, exactly now, but 12 hours from now. 7.15 is candle lighting time in this area of Shabbos. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunshine and a high temperature of 64. Good weather over the weekend. Good opportunity Sunday to clean the car for Pesach. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pesach, on Tuesday we get the opportunity to bring in the full panel and discuss food, medications, wine, everything you need to know regarding the upcoming holiday. You'll have a chance to ask questions by phone, by email, and by uh our NSN app. And, um, that's all happening Tuesday starting at about seven thirty here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to greeting our panel, welcoming them and having them uh, in our studio for that uh, broadcast. So get ready with your questions over the weekend and you'll have a chance to ask them uh, this coming Tuesday morning. JM in the AM with Micha Gammerman.
2: I Hamalko, a man who Malika, ca min ka shim a am bi had kulamuhalim a amuhad sahamake Let's ask
3: Shabbos <Sings> l'Chiv, hi venai le hu
2: Ki me koi ra veru Ki roish mi keidem Soif ma se de mache Shabbos l'Chiv, Likras shabos My door, she me See you
0: Friedman off of the Benehe Challah CD. Uh, that's a good one. Great Shabbos selection. Shleimi Tysig before that with the Krat Shabbat. You heard Adam Zemiro's done by Baruch Levin, Lenny Solomon's and Netzach. Micha Gammerman in there with Mayadidos. Friday morning, JM in the AM on this Arab Shabbos Parsha's Mitzora, Erev Shabbos HaGadol, Rabbi Yudin Shabbos HaGadol, Drusha, about 35, 40 minutes away. Malcolm Honline is next. He'll join us coming up here at JM in the AM. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Candlelighting, it'll be the final weekly update before Pesach, by the way. Candlelighting at 7.15, Pesach show on Tuesday. uh, Seder a week from tonight. As time continues to march on and everybody should have a wonderful lead up and build up to the big holiday. And of course, enjoy the holiday no matter where you are. Uh, Hoping everybody has a uh, a wonderful and incredible holiday of Pesach. And... um, Kudos to those who are keeping in mind those who may not have a place for Pesach or may not have a place for the Seder. Uh, it's amazing, um, through social media seeing how many people are thanking those who are reaching out to them to make sure they're okay for the holiday. So kolakavod to those who are, uh, taking on that task and doing it with great love. Uh, mazel tov to Isaac Schwartz of Muncie and to all those who are uh, winners. Uh, there are many, many winners. He was the grand prize winner in the Shalom Torah uh, raffle. Shalom Torah Academy, as you know, very uh, dear to us. And to all those who were part of the fundraising effort, koach, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, of Shabbos, 44 degrees, sunshine, a high of 64. More coming up, including the weekly update. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
2: I call you Kadosh Kasham. I call you do have a call you Kadosh Kasham. Yeah. Days are coming, the prophet says. Days are coming, days are coming. But the hunger will not be for bread, and the thirst will not be for water. The hunger will not be for bread. will not, not be water. water, but to in the word, Kim Moya the
0: Green days are coming. Perfect Shabbos Agudal selection. Friday morning, Arab Shabbos, J.M. and the ducha done by a diaspora. Before that, Mazel Tov going out to the Teitelbaum and Menzer families. It was wonderful being at the Chuppah last night. Hershey and Frady got married last evening. Mazel Tov to Mr. and Mrs. Gershon Menzer, and of course to Miriam and Aaron Teitelbaum A special Mazel Tov wedding last night at a Terrace Chaya in Brooklyn, New York. Absolutely, be- an outdoor chuppah. Absolutely beautiful. straw Lamb, of course, with, uh, with Aaron Teitelbaum's best, um performing with, uh, Sholemi Daskal and the Adidim Choir, Yanki Orlansky and Company it was really amazing. JMNAM Friday on this Erev Shabbos, Rabbi Yudin's, uh, Sh- uh Rabbi Yudin's Shabbos HaGadal Drusha <laughs> will be delivered Arab Shabbos HaGadal about a half hour from now here at JMNAM. We'll have that for you. Rabbi Yudin has plenty to say about the upcoming, uh, special Shabbos. Shabbat HaGadol. Candlelighting at 7.15. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically encourage their readers to check out our live stream at jmnam.org. Thank you, JewishWorldReview.com. And a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com who continue to constantly update their own content with some of our content as they have expanded not just Simchas anymore, but a whole bunch of great news in their news feed um, which you should check out every single day at onlysimplest dot com. Final weekly update before the holiday of Pesach. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday Erev Shabbos at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Oh, good morning. Ah, sounds like you're ready for Pesach.
4: <laughs> getting ready.
0: Everything's all clean. Everything's prepared. <laughs> all set. Ah, I hope
4: good. the hotel is clean and ready. And <laughs> I'm
0: sure it will be. The United States refused to say Thursday whether or not it would support a Palestinian proposal for a United Nations resolution to condemn Israeli settlement building, but ruled nothing out. While Washington often criticizes Israeli building work in occupied areas as an obstacle to peace, it's also traditionally resisted Palestinian efforts. To pressure Israel through the United Nations, is there reason to panic that the u s is uh, taking its time deciding this one?
4: No, they usually uh, they've done this repeatedly over recent years, and um, I think also the State Department spokesman said that the US would not accept one sided resolutions, so it's a sort of mixed message on it. But in my discussions at the UN this week, uh, I'm not sure that there will be the, pal- the Palestinian resolution will actually come up right now. I think we're more likely to see something in November uh, and maybe after the U.S. election. I think that's really the target period we should be more concerned about. But you never know. There could be a resolution that is uh, watered down that the United States would not veto, uh, as it did in in 2011 when Abbas tried the same maneuver. He's coming here uh, on the uh, Erev Pesach, actually, and they're going to try and move the resolution, assuming he goes ahead with it, on Pesach, which is sort of adding insult to, it, to the injury that uh, this, this resolution will do, because it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the Palestinians. It just uh, is a further provocation.
0: And and you said November. Traditionally, these types of resolutions are encouraged during the September General Assembly. It's It's specifically this year, November, because of that period of time between the election and the inauguration?
4: Well, I think that that could be the target period if the United States is going to do something, but I don't see uh, necessarily that they're going to initiate it. And I, uh, the resolutions often come up during the General Assembly are proposed, but there are no votes during the opening sessions of the General Assembly, per se, although there are meetings of, uh, of uh, heads of state that take place. But it's usually right in the aftermath of it that we begin to see the usual onslaught of the 20 anti-Israel resolutions, which we already saw this year. Right. The resolutions at the UN Human Rights Council, six of them attacking Israel, none against anybody else. The only permanent issue on the agenda there, the status of the rights of women condemning one country out of all of them. I mean, you, you hear all the violations, all the mutilations, all the killing, all the discrimination against women, and only one country gets, gets named. I think one of the President's candidates should look at the real record on these things and see what
0: what the facts are you know one other thing on the u n but first, you just reminded me that, uh, that there are artists, there are singers, there are performers who specifically are staying away from certain states because of uh uh different rules, regulations, and laws policies that now govern those states you know in 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 um in regard to specific things and and yet those same performers will go to countries that openly discriminate against. Whoever it might be, whether it's women, whether it's uh, uh, other groups, and and they don't seem to have any problem, you know, keeping their commitment to play in those countries.
4: You're right, it's consistency is not necessarily a, a um, an attribute that is true of those who who often advocate political and partisan points of view. Yeah. and the, the the fact is that there are some uh, of these uh, singers and others entertainers who have fall victim uh, to the to the um, political correctness, let alone to the BDS. I saw Morgan Freeman removed the picture he had of himself in Israel from his website because of the reaction of hostile forces, which should be a reminder to us about how active they are and how active those who care about Israel and care about America have to be as well.
0: No question about it. Um, Sometimes we forget how brave and courageous one must be to be anti-BDS, especially when they're part of that community um uh, meaning part of the Hollywood community mm-hmm. um, the uh, just back to the u n for a second do, do you have a a notion of where the next united nations uh, general um, uh, United nations secretary general might come from what country the new secretary general might come from
4: uh, it's a good question because the the parade has just started this week new candidates the the process to replace spunky moon uh, the Who will likely run to be president of South Korea now? Oh well, the um, candidates uh, are coming from all over. For the former prime minister of New Zealand, you have uh, South Americans now being muted. Originally, it was expected that it would be an East European that it was their quote turn, because it does rotate and uh, in a sense, but it's not a rule or it's not obligatory. And also that there be a woman, because there's never been a woman. Secretary, Secretary General, General and right. the feeling is very strong that there should be one. So they had focus originally on two people from Bulgaria. Uh, Bukovna is still in the race, and others, um, the former foreign minister of Moldova, and there are some males also from East Europe who are in the race. And the feeling is that if nobody gets you know, a consensus there that they would move perhaps to... Uh, there's a Portuguese uh, and a Spanish ca- uh, candidate, there's, and then two from uh, South America. I think Chile and Argentina are the first two that are being considered. And, of course, as I mentioned, the New Zealand uh, mm-hmm. candidate. But- so they, they go through a process where they all, you know, try their stuff. And I, I actually, I'm meeting with them. They come to, to the office to talk and to get our support as well. And, and even though we don't vote, and obviously... We don't endorse a particular candidate, but it's important for us to meet them and see where, where they stand on the issues we care about.
0: I mean, you'll clearly, without revealing it, obviously, you'll clearly have a favorite or or a couple of favorites that, you know, you'd, you'd prefer the secretary general, you know,
4: come from that group, right? Right. And we also have some whom we are absolutely against right. because of their past track record.
0: Did, am I wrong that, the, that one of the proposed people to take this position or, or you know, eventually be elected to this position... Was from a country that's always voting with Israel? Did I dream that? Maybe I dreamt it, but I, th- I thought there was a representative of uh, one of those countries that we always talk about that seems to always have a voting record with Israel. There
4: is a candidate from Fiji, who, but but uh, that's for the presidency of the of the General Assembly. There's a candidate from Cyprus and a candidate from Fiji and Cyprus, which has become very very friendly with Israel. Um, I think is the front runner right now. Uh, but, I I mean, I think the Bulgarians generally are, are supportive of Israel. Their relationship with Israel is very good. So are some of the other countries. But the fact is that the guy who will probably be the kingmaker is Putin. because so He has a veto, and he may well exercise it. Wow.
0: Uh, he's in the news. We'll get to him coming up. Uh, whoever thought that finally Israel would get to the center of this presidential election campaign... Uh, we've seen it this week. By no coincidence, you know, the New York primaries is coming Tuesday. I'm sure you're aware of really? that. Yeah, believe it or not. And all of a sudden, we're seeing a lot of statements, a lot of analysis, and in the debates, a lot of questions and answers regarding Israel. Start with the appointment and then the uh, the subsequent um, suspension of Simone Zimmerman from the Bernie Sanders campaign.
4: Well, the press called me about her because uh, she, one of her attributes that she touted was that she picketed my office this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know it. I I, mean, I did know there was a scraggly group outside that came a couple days, you know, uh, to uh, picket our office. Um, what
0: on the Iran deal? Thing?
4: I, uh, pardon me? Because of the Iran deal or no, what? No, Palestinian issue. Uh. And I didn't know. Them. I think it was under Student Justice for Palestine or something uh some other uh, name but uh, i obviously had no contact and no didn't know about it um nor did I care about it particularly the so the press kept calling me and asking me about it, and I didn't know and then of course, I got a call yesterday, but when you look at what she has said it raises two questions one if he either the people who hired her, whether the candidate himself or his his staff agreed with her points of view were not bothered by her points of view or on the other side didn't check out what she has said publicly what she was on record as saying uh, really outrageous things both of which would be troubling and uh, the suspension i think was uh, a necessity now but he didn't fire her he suspended her
5: right
0: i i, I jokingly said last night to someone yet yeah, till after tuesday <laughs> well may i don't not, know if it's a joke may not be a joke right um I am I am and and then uh, so speaking of Israel being at the center of these uh, discussions, this whole uh issue of disproportionate response, it is amazing that he continues to harp on that and I'm I'm not choosing sides here. Um and then I and then the and then the reaction uh, during one of the times of the uh debate yesterday um that um where Hillary Clinton said, if my husband, if um, Yasser Arafat would have accepted my husband's deal, there would be a Palestinian state, which I thought was interesting. My point being, years ago. yeah, my point being that, that we, we've spoken about this for months, how Israel and maybe even foreign policy in general really wasn't seeping into this whole discussion and into this whole debate. And now you see both on the Republican and Democratic side, and again, with the New York primary on Tuesday, uh, you see that, you know, on, on both sides, it's become a major issue this week. So I, I guess what, what I've always either looked to or hoped for, has finally occurred.
4: Well, the nature of the debate that occurred, I think we'd be better off if it didn't. But the what disturbed me more, and people should listen who didn't hear it, and I only heard it this morning, uh, was the reaction of the audience to, to these outrageous uh, allegations uh, by Sanders about the disproportionality, and people shouldn't dismiss this. This is a, a code or about Israel's right to defend itself. And right. while he does protest and says Israel has a right, it was disproportionate, even though he said 10,000 dead. He didn't, clearly didn't have a, an idea of what the real numbers were. And even when it was corrected, he said, well, I accepted the correction. But he hasn't apologized. He hasn't said, oh, I was wrong and and, and really understand the issue. When when you look at what the reports of the studies done by American military and others who went there and said it was a model that they that the Israel ex, uh, exercise more uh, discretion and more restraint than than anybody else would have in, under similar circumstances. I mean, there are 10,000 rockets and I think the the uh, uh, message that somehow the responsibility falls on Israel. What, what is he saying? Why doesn't he say anything now about the huge buildup of Hamas uh, military along the border and the incitement that is starting again about Al Aqsa, uh, you know, being under siege, which is a pre-Pesach. Uh, escalation by the Palestinian Authority itself, and the number of uh, attacks, serious attacks, mass casualty attacks, that were prevented from West Bank uh, sources uh, uh, affiliated with Hamas because of the work of the Israeli police and security, and I think some cooperation from the Palestinian security.
0: But they don't cite those.
4: Nobody mentions it.
0: Um, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live. The Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, O R G. Um, the, uh, I mentioned Putin, or you actually mentioned Putin. So the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, will meet with Putin this week, correct? Yes. And what will the nature of those talks be?
4: Be about Syria and about the coordination between Israel and Russia about not make, making sure that Israeli overflights or attempts to prevent the the, the um, provision of sophisticated weapons to Hezbollah from Syria, we see the flow of weapons into Syria and while Russia announced a withdrawal the fact is that they are very active their their people their military are directing many of the attacks we saw it in uh, in recently in some of the places that that were freed or recaptured, uh, that it's it's uh, Russians, and you see Afghan militia, and you see Iraqi militia, uh, some uh, Iranians, you don't see as so many Syrian soldiers, but you do see this conglomeration of people, and Russia still plays a critical role, and is still defending the presence, as is Iran, which called a red line the, the retention of Assad. So that's one issue that uh, that I think that they they will be, a, a primary issue that they will be talking about, also the sale of the S-300, this uh, air defense system, and it's still not clear what the reality is. You know, they announced it, and they said it was, it was uh, the Iranians said it was a mistake that they just signed an agreement. Then there were reports that parts had been already shipped. It wasn't clear how many. Then there was an announcement today that, in fact, they're, they're, they're not shipping at all, they're not completing uh, the this, this system for the five rockets. The S-300 is a very sophisticated air defense system. It is a game-changer. It would give them um, much greater ability to prevent an attack. Uh, the Russians, I think, have to be reluctant to really go through with the deal. They like the money, and they uh, have this contractual obligation, but they have you know, been dilly-dallying over this for 10 years, so... I'm not sure what the real status, and and I think that will be a primary issue for Netanyahu and and Putin to discuss, as well as the um, you know the overall situation. Russia is playing a bigger and bigger role, working its way into the Gulf area, into Egypt, uh, and other Sunni states, and uh, I think the um, the regional situation will be the dominant.
0: As I read about the the the, the, fo- the, the way the ceasefire is falling apart in Syria. So, ceasefire is in Syria is better for Israel, correct? And that's obvious, right? And yeah, effect, Israel
4: wants stability wherever it can find it, right. and not give it cover for... Because you see, along the border with Israel, Syrian troops have disappeared. There are no more Syrian troops, not even on Mount Hermon. Since the winter, they haven't been there. But we do see the encroachments of uh, pro-Iranian and, uh, some of the more, uh, and some of the more... And some of the... Uh, groups like well Nusra has been there all along but others have been trying to get in and especially Hezbollah and that's a red line and once, one of the things that Netanyahu will press Putin is to make sure that that none of these hostile forces gain a, a strong foothold they're also doing it along the the Jordanian border
0: and, and and but I'm just confused is that related or unrelated to the ceasefire in other words why does it matter if there's a ceasefire in Syria wouldn't these groups anyway try to infiltrate and you know have a presence along the Israeli border
4: Yes, they will do it anyway. But um, well, a ceasefire depends. On, it really depends on the definition of, of the ceasefire. Uh, you know, th- there was never really a full ceasefire. The war against ISIS, others continued unabated. Right. This was supposed to be a ceasefire between the groups, and the um, uh, you know the Russian planes are still flying. their bombing raids. So are Americans. So are others. You know, it's estimated that twenty-five thousand ISIS. Fighters in Syria and Iraq have been killed and others, but they still retain a big infrastructure. They still retain capacity there. Uh, we're seeing other radicalized groups also uh, emerging and fight, fighting, and, and the question is whether Assad and his troops will be feeling their cheerios and keep going on to t- retake Raqqa and to move uh, in a bigger and bigger area or just consolidate their hold around Aleppo and Damascus.
0: Um And... Uh... There were parliamentary elections in Syria this week, right? Oh, yeah. Did that matter? <laughs> did, 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 no. did, did the results matter? No. So all, so all that politically has nothing to do with what's happening on the ground?
4: No, because that, that is really in a very limited area under Assad's control, so the outcome is really not that significant.
0: Right. And in, and in, um, in Iran, an Iranian general against the law, and I assume that means international law, right, went to see Putin in Russia.
4: Correct? It's against the, the U.N. law? The, or? the restrictions, yeah, the sanctions. on, on
0: So doesn't Putin, and it's funny because earlier in this conversation you spoke about his influence in the U.N., doesn't he have an obligation to turn down a meeting like that? Or to...
4: Yeah, but Putin acts uh, with impunity because there's no consequence for any of the actions taken by virtually anybody today. Yes. And you know this guy Soleimani has been there before. It's not the first uh, trip. There are so many violations going on. I mean, what about the missile launches? What about the the other uh, aggressive actions that Iran is uh, is is uh, guilty of? And the you know their their special forces have been are now in Lebanon, uh, and of course they enlist Iraqi militias and others, but. They've had the first casualties of their regular army, not of the RGC, but a regular Iranian army have been reported over the last week in, in uh, Syria, and there were some acknowledgements uh, of it. IRGC generals, of course, are, are playing a big a role there, and several of them have been killed. Um, and, uh, you know, in the meantime, they, they've upped their oil exports Iran by, by 600,000 barrels a day. It's it's Um, There were, I think, 190,000 in January and 540,000 barrels a day in March. And they're replacing Nigeria and Iraq in their sales to uh, India. Uh, So Iran is already benefiting when we look at the financial uh, gains. So from the lifting of sanctions here, you see a very concrete one that doesn't get much attention.
0: Boy, Putin... As as I think some people you know flippantly say, uh, in in you know in, in armchair quarterback analysis, might be the most important leader in the world right now, or the most influential, or the one who you know wh- where things can sway on his certainly
4: who exercises the influence he has in, in an aggressive way, and he looks for every opening. Uh, and I cited one last week about Morocco having tensions in the UN and stuff. And he goes and says, "Don't worry, we'll protect you." And he goes to the Egyptians and said, "You know, we'll fill the void." The president is going to to Saudi Arabia to meet the Gulf Cooperation Council, and I think he's going to find a very uh, hostile group—not hostile, uh, anxious and and uh, unhappy group about where they see the U.S. Uh, uh, moving, uh, especially about the treatment of Iran and the question about whether they're given access to the dollar or not but but now we see that the administration, which said that there couldn't be new sanctions on the nuclear side uh with Iran because of the agreement and that this would undermine it, and the our allies would be would be alienated, and they would uh, you know that Iran would walk away, and then we would have no restrictions, but now they're saying it about non nuclear activities of Iran, like the missile launch, like other things, again for the same reason and the Undersecretary of Treasury testified to this this week, uh, which is, I think, uh, a big change in policy because it's not what they said just a few months ago uh, about um, additional sanctions. They have been imply, applying uh, restrictions on individuals who were involved with the missile program or Hezbollah, Hezbollah, but it, it's it's creating a great deal of confusion, and the allies in the region look at this and say, we, we, we don't know where America's headed. It seems that they keep giving in to to Iran or, or weakening the policy on Iran. And for them, that's the critical issue because the, Iran's activities are expanding all the time. And the, uh, in their presence, not only in Iraq and Syria, but throughout the region, and their their threats to undermine the other countries in
0: and, the region. And therefore they they they, they want to fill that void of outside leadership by going to someone like Putin to try to control the situation? I'm not Putin
4: steps in and tries to fill the void and you know while he doesn't have much of an economy, he doesn't have the ability, has enough that he can offer loan deals to to other countries, he can um provide them with assistance. But as I, I think I pointed out that, that the In Syria, all the money that he spent, he's made ten times that amount from weapons sales now to other countries in the region. Mm. So the net gain is there, and of course Iran paid for a lot of the weapons that he was sending in. In the meantime, he stands and said, look, I stand by my friends. I stood up for Assad. You know, you can rely on me uh, as an ally.
0: Jordan has shut down its Muslim Brotherhood uh, offices, so to Mm -hmm. speak. They they continue to... uh to try to uh, um, eliminate the radicals, uh, the radical terrorists there in their country? Well,
4: they, look, Jordan faces so many challenges, not only from the border with Syria, but the internal you know, population with the two-thirds Palestinians, with the, and maybe even more today, um, with the presence of Muslim Brotherhood, with others. And he, they acted against them as a hostile element, as a terrorist organization. It's reflective of the attitude around most of the Sunni countries. Uh, that the Muslim Brotherhood is uh, uh, a dangerous uh, operation, regardless of the fact that they were diminished in Egypt, they still are active in, in many countries and still have a presence. Uh, so Jordan took these steps against them, but they act against the terrorist groups quite consistently. The you know the king can't afford to make a big mistake.
0: Uh, are we in that period of time already where you know this transition in the United States is being viewed? With great trepidation by other countries, or are they are they anxious to see this transition?
4: Um, I think they're confused. They can't understand, and all of them say, "Please explain to us what's going on in this election." But uh, I think that many are concerned what will happen in the next six or eight months, while while you know the election's underway. they're, they're not looking to next year; they're looking at this year in the agenda of of uh, what will happen during during the year ahead. This year yet. They see, you know, a lot of situations of unrest and and potential danger, and they they're assessing uh, those things. And if if you look at the Europeans, you look at others. they they're all still dealing with the ISIS. They're looking at the plots against them, and you know the the. It turns out the Belgian attack was really going really wanted to target UK, US, and Israeli flights and and passengers, and the. Um, Um, and and this is even detailed in the very slick uh, online magazine that ISIS puts out. So, you know, the countries in the region are are, are looking at their issues. You saw this deal between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. This is really a very important uh, development for a number of reasons that don't get publicized. You you remember in the Six-Day War, of course, uh, when the Straits of Tehran were closed, and that was the cause of the belly for the war, right. ultimately, that uh, there had been an agreement that there's supposed to be freedom of navigation. Israel was blocked. That meant that uh, Eilat was blocked. Israel couldn't get anything through, and ultimately it led to the war. The war, the Straits of Tehran and Tinefar, the, the islands of Tehran and Tinefar, get captured by Israel. Israel gives them back to, to Egypt in the 79 agreement. But the agreement is that they are demilitarized, that there's guarantee of freedom of passage, uh, and you know it also controls the the Gulf of Aqaba, the entrance of the Gulf of Aqaba, and for all the years it has been open, and Israeli ships have transversed the Suez Canal, but also tr- uh, trade from Aqaba has increased. Now, the it, it, but these were originally given by Saudi Arabia to Egypt because they had the stronger military and they thought that they could defend them better. Now Egypt gave them back, but there was an understanding reached with Israel. And by the way, the United States was involved in this as well. And the uh, they, uh, Saudi Arabia obligated itself to uphold the 79 agreement, meaning that uh, there would be demilitarized and that Israel would have uh, access, continued access, free navigation uh, in the Straits of Tehran. And uh, whether the Knesset has that, ratify it as a change in the agreement with Egypt or not is, is a debatable point. But the fact is that Israel went along as long as it got its assurances. And some people are saying, well, you see, this is further evidence of, let's say, the thawing in the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel. I don't know how far you can go with that argument. But things are moving ahead in the region, and there are a lot of things taking place that they don't make headlines, but it's it's a reflection of their concerns and their feeling that they cannot rely on outside sources, and they see the aggressiveness of Iran throughout the region.
0: Wow! So the U.S. has somewhat become not as dependable as it as it has been in the past. Well,
4: some, many say that it's marginalized. Or right. they, I think the president is going there now to show the flag, and we'll see how how um, how he's
0: received. I don't know if any of his replace, any of the potential replacements would be any different or any better in this regard, but who knows? Hard to predict the future, right
4: right uh It's even hard to predict the past these days <laughs>
0: That's a good point. yeah, like when Donald Trump and other candidates talk about how horrible a decision it was to go take out Saddam Hussein, I don't know to me, it sounds a little too simplistic.
4: I don't know. Well, right? look at something that will be debated probably for the next hundred years, and then historians will start writing their own versions of the history of the period it is a debatable point was it smart was it smart the way we followed up should we have dismantled the police forces and others should we have tried to co opt them i think there are a lot of legitimate questions uh, which were raised by the way at the time and contrary to what many uh, of israel's detractors say israel didn't push for the war with iraq they thought america should be focused on iran even then and um, i know that uh... Sharon and others warned against the uh, the war. Once, obviously, America decided to do it, they were supportive and and uh, backed the the United States.
0: Yeah. Well, we got to get to your Pesach message, and we have Rabbi Yudin with the Shabbos Hagadol Drasha first. The the Israeli soldier from the Hebron case has been charged with manslaughter, right? He's been charged with manslaughter. And I, I don't know if you have a uh, you know hand on the pulse of this, but I'm always curious if this is a major issue in Israel, if it's dominating the media and the you know and the coffee shops, or this is really just a back burner story at this point. There.
4: No, I think for certainly for many for certain segments of the population, these uh, this is a, a big issue, a more vocal issue. Um, there are people who are analyzing, is there a change in the next generation? Are they more assertive? Are they making the younger generation? Are they, how they, and it probably splits between those who are completely against and those who are adamantly for on these issues. The I think it's too early to draw conclusions, but the, uh, you know, there is a significance because we've had several incidents of of arrests and, and people are saying well it's disproportionate these people acting in defense and but also israel has to have rules and there are rules of engagement and you know they apply to soldiers because you can't just have everybody making a decision to kill or to shoot or to to not to shoot by the way uh, on their own they have to follow the rules and that's what we're seeing being done but the, you know there is a bit there are disturbing polls, by the way, which get not so much coverage about where uh, public opinion in the Arab world, where you see 90% of Iraqis regard the U.S. an enemy, and especially amongst young people that... Um,
0: well, uh, why wouldn't they? Pardon me? Why wouldn't they? What are
4: and, they? and 60% of, of Saudi Arabia and UAE see U.S. as an ally, but here we're investing all these billions of dollars to defend Iraq. And and in Yemen and and amongst the Palestinians, which was the point I made, and there, ninety percent all uh, reject the U.S. And, and regard it as an enemy. And the in Israel, you would still find that eighty or ninety percent see the United States as an ally and and see it in positive ways. Um, and the connection between the United States and Israel on on so many levels. You know, there's a new thing called the. Uh, drone Dome, which is a, a new system Israel has developed to counter hostile drones, which is a combination of using cameras and radar, where they lock in on, on hostile drones that are flying, and then they're able to disrupt their uh, electrical systems and to bring the drones down, crash them, or disable them.
0: Unbelievable.
4: Yes, it's something um, that... Nobody, you know, people don't don't pay much attention to all these things that come out every single day of amazing new development.
0: Can I ask you one other question on this manslaughter case? Um, there's been a noticeable, I think most media sources out of Israel would agree with this at this point, there's been a noticeable drop in um, in the attacks, in the stabbing attacks over the last few weeks. And again, of course, we know that, you know, we, we still hear too often about, you know, thwarted attacks, etc. We read a lot about that this week. I'm not minimizing what's still going on. But is it possible that it's not just security, which you've pointed out over the last few weeks, it's not just intelligence and not just a crackdown by Israeli security, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe is it possible that the enemy sees the type of response that soldiers and others might give, um, to someone who perpetrates, perpetrates a crime and decide to change their plan?
4: Absolutely. It's, uh, I think there are a couple of things. One is the, the actions and the fact that, you, you know, you eliminate the terrorists when they're in the act and where you can capture them, you do so, but otherwise you don't endanger the lives of civilians. Second, they see that it has no pat- impact on Israeli life, that they can engage in all these attacks. They pay the price. And many parents now are interceding and there are new programs that Israel has initiated and some of them troubling uh, villages that where more of the um, perpetrators came from building a soccer field here opening up a new route so that they can't they have to go out a different way away from the road where israelis uh, were being hit by rocks more often so there are positive approaches and then there's the tougher approach but uh, as i said before there were a lot of uh, acts including some mass casualty acts that hamas had planned from the west bank that were uh, prevented by uh, good intelligence work and and assertive action, uh, the and even just in the last twenty four hours, and I think we can anticipate that, or the, it is anticipated before Pesach because we're seeing the incitement about Al Aqsa escalating, and that's uh, to to try and 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 during a period of of a lot of focus on Jerusalem and on tourism in Jerusalem, to try and act, and the Israelis Israeli security forces are, and police are doing. An outstanding job trying to prevent it, and and at times in cooperation with the Palestinian Authority, who's interested is in because those same elements want to overthrow the government of uh, or so-called government of um, of, Assad, of uh, Abbas.
0: Yeah, no
4: question. And by the way, you know Abbas's brother lives in in Qatar, but he's being treated for cancer in an Israeli hospital.
0: What do you say to that?
4: Yes. What does Abbas say to
0: that? <laughs> Uh, finally, a you know, next week will be Erev Pesach. We won't be convening the following week of Shavish, all Pesach, so obviously we won't be on. And hopefully the following Friday or the one after that we'll restart our weekly update. A pre-Pesach message on this Erev Shabbos HaGadol. What is it that we should be keeping in mind in terms of the big picture of the Jewish people right now?
4: The pre-Pesach message. Um, look, one of the things I think that is really important is for people, when they sit at the Seder, to think of the contemporary significance of everything in the Seder. That it's not, you know, there are a couple books written about the Megillah Sester and how it's political messages and how contemporary significance and the the halacha, the law, is that if you only read the Megillah as something describing an event, an historic event, and not think about its contemporary significance, you've, you've missed the message. And I think the same thing is true in the Seder, and that's why you see so often where it uses the present tense, hold over there, Omdimolenu didn't say that they, on every generation, they arose in the past as, but that they arise against us. And if you study what's in the in Agada, you find the solutions, you find the encouragement, you find the messages that there's nothing different. What is BDS different than what uh, Pharaoh said? Haven chakmolo He didn't say the Jews did anything wrong. He didn't say that they undermine the security of the country. He said they're building it, they're becoming strong, and they're contributing. But we have to deal shrewdly with them, we have to attack them, we have to... That's what the BDS when it doesn't show anything that Israel does wrong. It attacks the existence of the state. It says that we have to deal shrewdly, we have to control them, we have to contain them, we have to eliminate them. Yeah. And I think that that is really the important things when you sit with your kids to talk to them about, and that the Seder, that part of the discussion should be about what this really means to all of us today.
0: Uh. What an important point! Uh, we wish you a chag kasher a wonderful holiday, and we'll reconvene at the appropriate time after Yontif.
4: God willing, and have a really chag kasher to everyone, and it'll really be a chagula redemption for all of us and all our brothers who are in tzaras, and we'll see a, a different era emerge after Pesach.
0: Amen, thank you so much. Candle lighting 7:15 on this erev Shabbos parshas Mitzorah. It is erev Shabbos Hagadol here at JM in the Amr by Yudin has prepared. Our Shabbos HaGadol Drusha, and uh, it is time for uh, for us to hear his words. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning,
6: Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. This Shabbos we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mitzorah. Pashas Mitzorah, according to the Chinuch, contains 11 positive mitzvos, including the purification of the Mitzorah, regarding whom we began last week in Parashas Sazriya. You have the laws at the end of the parsha of what we call today Taras HaMishpacha, the laws of family purity. And, interestingly, let's not forget that while we don't understand many of the intricacies of the laws of Tzora'as, what, for lack of a better term, we call leprosy, in this week's parasha you have Tzora'as Habayis, that which appeared on the walls of the home. And, needless to say, says the Ramban, quote, strange things are happening here, meaning this only happens in Eretz Yisrael, and how appropriate, as we'll discuss in a moment, that on this Shabbos before Pesach, on Shabbos Hagadol, we read Pasha Mitzorah, which shows of the very special relationship that God had with the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And it's such a literally wedding of the appetite for us as a prelude of things to come, of once again that very special relationship of Hashem with His people in Eretz Yisrael. As mentioned a moment ago, this Shabbos has the designation of It being called Shabbos Hagadol, The Shabbos before Pesach. Ostensibly, the reason is because the Haftorah ends with that beautiful promise. The last Navi, put yourself in his sandals. Imagine your name is Micha. And you're giving over the last prophecy. And you know what it is? He says to the Jewish people, I promise you, in the name of God. Hine sholeach hanavi. hanavi, Elijah the prophet will come. And he will announce the coming of the Moshiach. Lifnei bo, he's going to come on the day before Yom Hashem He's going to come before that great day. Hence the name Shabbos Hagodol. However, The rabbis give other reasons for the designation of this day. Historically, the year we left Egypt, the 15th of Nisan when we left, was a Thursday. The Shabbos before was the 10th of Nisan, the day on which, as we read in Parshas HaChodesh, that we were to designate the Paschal Lamb, on the 10th of the month of Nisan, and when the Egyptians heard the Lamb making all kinds of appropriate noises from within the homes of the Jewish people, they asked, what's going on? And the Jews answered, we're going to take the Lamb, your God, and we're going to slaughter it. And they were literally defenseless and couldn't retaliate, that was an incredible miracle. Moreover, the rabbis tell us, based upon the verse in Halel Haggadol, that we're going to recite, please God, next Friday, next Saturday night, at the conclusion of the Seder, Halel Haggadol, Hodul Hashem Kitov, chazdo and there are twenty six of them, and one of the twenty six verses is the Maki Mitzrayim that literally God smote, defeated the Egyptians through their firstborn. How so? Moshe warned Paro, you don't send us free; Hashem is going to kill the firstborn. And so when the firstborn of Egypt heard this, they said, look here, Moshe's track record is quite good. And they literally campaigned and tried to lobby and rally Paro to free the slaves. And so there was a civil war. And many, many of the Egyptians were killed as a result of their firstborn, trying to persuade Paro to let the Jewish people go free. That civil war took place on the 10th of Nisan the Shabbos before we left. And so annually we celebrate the Shabbos before Pesach as Shabbos Hagadol. the Ramo writes that there's a custom to recite parts of the Haggadah on Shabbos Haggadol to familiarize ourselves with the text of the Haggadah not all had this practice the Vilna Gaon for one did not have this practice what's also special about this Shabbos is that the Rav In most communities gives a special drusha in honor of Pesach. And I'd like to therefore share with you a thought this morning. A little different from that which we usually have on Fridays. But just to whet our appetite for the forthcoming Yom Tov of Pesach. Please God, next Friday and Motzai Shabbos we will have the Pesach Seder at the Pesach Seder there are today two biblical mitzvahs, the mitzvah of eating matzah the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, telling the story of the exodus from Egypt and three rabbinic mitzvahs the mitzvah of Maror, the eating of the bitter herb, the mitzvah of drinking Arba Kosos, four cups of wine, and the mitzvah of Heseba, leaning, the mitzvah of reciting Hallel. These are rabbinic mitzvos that we recite and partake of at the... Pesach Seder. The book is called Haggadah, the book that we use, based upon the fact that the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, the mitzvah of telling the story, is done in the Magid section. We know the Pesach Seder has a very specific order to it, and so Kadesh Urchatz Karpas Yachatz Magid and Magid is the telling of the story and so whereas all year long there's a mitzvah of Zechiras Yitzias Mitzrayim the mantiskor, as the Torah tells us in the fifth book which we shall read, please God on Achron Shal Pesach from chapter 16 in the book of Devarim the mitzvah of remembering on a daily basis the exodus from Egypt tonight on the night of the Pesach Seder there is a mitzvah of greater elaboration and this elaboration the Mishnah tells us in Psachim, page 1, 16a, at the end of the Mishnah, after the Mishnah gives us a text of the Manishtana, the Mishnah tells us that how does the father respond? He answers with Maschil Bignus literally, he begins the Narrative of the Exodus with our disgrace, and he concludes with the praise and glory of our people. The Talmud tells us there's a basic machlokes between Rav and Shmuel. How do we understand this term of Maschel Bignus and Messiah Bishvach? Rav says that the term Mit the degradation refers to avodas It refers to our reciting that our ancestors really were came from idol worshippers. Terach Avi Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, Avraham, his father Terach was an idolator, and. What is the shvach, the praise? The praise is that God has brought us unto His service. Now God has brought us near to the divine service. And Shmuel says that the genus the degradation is avodim hayinu that we were slaves to Paro, and vayotzienu Hashem took us out from Egypt. Now, the concept of starting with the schlecht and ending with the good, this incredible contrast, is one that indeed we find in the Torah itself, as the Mishnah says we are to recite the verses from. The fifth book of the Torah. When a Jew brought his Bikurim first fruits to the Beis Migdash. so instead of just saying here, thank you Hashem for the first fruits no, he begins Arami and discusses the early part of our history when Lavan tried to literally destroy the Jewish people, destroy Yaakov and only by the grace of God does Yaakov get out of Lavan's clutches, so we begin with the negative and then we conclude the Torah, and now he neyevesi. I brought, and thank you, God, for the fruit that you have, you know, given me, etc. So we find this already in the Torah. They argue, Rav and Shmuel, as to what is to be the schlecht and what is the good. Is it at first glance? The spiritual, which is what Rav is saying, focusing from idolatry to monotheism, from idolatry to getting close to Hashem and Har Sinai, or the physical, namely, we were slaves and now we were freed. So, interestingly, according to the Rishonim, the Rach understood that they argue, Rav and Shmuel, and each one said but theirs and not the other. Their Haggadah and their time when they ended their Seder was shorter than ours and the order of the Haggadah was different because each one only said theirs. The Ritva says no. They both agreed to say both, Rav Shmuel, but they only argued on the order. The Rambam seems to say that Shmuel is adding his Avodomoyinu to Rav's, namely Rav's Mitzchila um, of Avodah Zorah. Now, the riff says, Hilkach nimrinu L'travayu. What do we do? We say both. Okay? And we know, we start the Haggadah with Avodomoyinu, and then afterwards, after nine paragraphs, we go to Rab's Mithchila of the Avodah What's challenging about this is two things. Why do we start with avodah if Mithchila of the Avodah Rab's version, is chronologically earlier? And moreover, the rule in the Talmud is that if there's a debate, a machlokis between Rab and Shmuel in monetary matters, we follow Shmuel. And in all other matters, we follow Rav. Here, at first glance, we are following Shmuel. I strongly recommend that you take a look at the Malbim and in his introduction to his Haggadah. And he points out something very interesting. And he says the following that our starting with. Avod is not taking sides between Rab and Shmuel. No. He points out very powerfully that the Maggid section as we have it is really divided into six parts based upon the source text which is chapter 13 in the book of Shmos verse 8 Vigadato Lebincha part 1 Bayom HaHu part 2 Leymor Part 3. And the verse continues. Bavur Part 4. Asa Hashem Li. Part 5. B'Tseisi Mi Mitzrayim. And he says, if you look at the structure of our Haggadah, which he strongly thinks was composed and put, compiled, by Rabinu HaKadosh, the one who redacted the Mishnah. So to our Haggadah, it works as follows. Avodmahinu is not taking sides with Shmuel. Avodmahinu is telling us why we are tonight having this declaration and why we have the whole Magid section because we were slaves. And therefore, this is the machayev. Avodimayinu is the machayev for the Sipur. Avodimayinu tells us, yes, it is a it is a gnus. It is a physical degradation, but this is not necessarily. In terms of maschil bgnus umesayim beshvach, they are arguing as to the following point. Rav says, "Maskel Bignus, the section of Lemor, of the story. Avod is not the story, says Rav. And therefore, we start with Avod and Moinu. And then, interestingly, we say, Yochol Me Rosh Chodesh. I might have thought that we would tell the Pesach story on Rosh Chodesh. What is that doing there? That corresponds to the second part of the verse, Bayom HaHu. And Avodah the rest of the paragraph, that even if all of us are wise, we are all to tell the story. Why? Because of the Galatola Bincha, the Bincha, it's all a focus on to the next generation continuity, which is what the night of the Pesach Seder is all about. Yochum Rosh tells us, that it's got to be specifically on... That day, the day of the 15th, and it can't even start during the day, unlike Shabbos, that we can take in early. No, not this, it's got to be at the time of Matzah and Moro, which is only at the night. Mor. this is the story, and that's how Rav begins, the story starts back at Metchila, and then after that, we are told, comes along revagamlia and tells us further on in the magid section koshalu oma shlo shudvaram eliv pesach for yotso yedei chavos pesach matzo moror there is the zer Oso Hashem li, says the Pasuk. Therefore, b'chol dor In every generation, a person is to feel as if thee left Egypt. And why do we have the halel, first two paragraphs, before the meal? Because how does the Pasuk end? B'tzei, see me Mitzrayim, when I left Egypt. And therefore, explains the Malbim so beautifully. The Magid section, which gives the very book, it's Haggadah, because the verse begins, chapter 13, verse 8, The this is the Haggadah, and this is the Seder, this is the order of that section, and I hope that as a result of this, we'll have a better understanding of this section of the Haggadah, and finally, look in the Rashi, Bavurze Rashi says, because of this that I will fulfill the mitzvahs. Hashem took us out of Egypt for a purpose. And the purpose is that we, as His people, will perform mitzvahs. The night of the Pesach Seder is not only to review the historical past and say thank you Hashem for all the redemptions over our long history, but the night of the Pesach Seder has to be a night of resolve that just as at that very first Pesach he took us out so that we would fulfill in future years Pesach, Matzah and Moror were to see to it at our Pesach Seder that our children and our grandchildren that are sitting around our table that they too will continue with pride and excitement Pesach Matzah and Moror until the great day as the Torah ends Lifnei Bo Yom Hashem HaGodol VeHanora Shabbat Shalom to all
0: Sunday morning, Arab Shabbos on this Arab Shabbos Haggadol, believe it or not. Arab Shabbos Haggadol here at JM in the AM. And um, a reminder, JM Sunday with Matis is seven o'clock in the morning this coming Sunday morning, live from one of our New Jersey studios. Mattis with JM Sunday between seven and nine o'clock this coming Sunday. Saturday night Seagull tomorrow night with our Rummy with a full schedule. Check it out online jmnam.org, nachumsegel.com on the NSN app. Um, And of course, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning right after JM and the AM, it's Naomi Nachman with both Susie Fishbein, the great chef, and Jay Booksbaum, the kosher wine sommelier. They'll be discussing Pesach, recipes, wines, etc. Uh, It's coming up with the um, video of the show on the home screen at nachumsegel.com and of course you can uh, hear it on all of our all of our outlets, including the NSN app. So check that out. Susie Fishbein and Jay Booksbaum with uh, Naomi Nachman coming up on table for two starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right after JM in the a.m. Followed by our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time till 7.15. Enjoy it. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's wonderful. And uh, Jay will be part of our show on Tuesday. He's part of the big panel. The whole panel will be here Tuesday. Uh, J-Drugs will be represented, the Kedem will be represented, and of course, the OU, Orthodox Union, will be represented as we explore the world of uh, Kosher Pesach products and figure out all the different things, whether they are Kosher Pesach or not. Someone asked me yesterday about uh, bottled water, if it needs a special designation for Pesach. We will ask that question, I'm sure, at some point on Tuesday. I am sure, because that always comes up. <laughs> There's certain questions that always come up. 44 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 64. 7.15 is candlelighting time in this area of Shabbos. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. I want to again wish a mazal ma- to the Teitelbaum and Menzer families. Hershey and Frady were married last night. The Mr. and Mrs. Gershon Menzer to Aaron and Miriam Teitelbaum, a very special mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Here's Avremo at JM in the AM.
3: malakh yashur malakh el hoya
2: solo io a solo io ma la ghe e vo vo dom malahei
0: from Freed. Erev Shabbos at J.M. in the A.M. Candle lighting at 7.15 on this Erev Shabbos Haggadah. Time to say good Shabbos with journeys at J.M. in the A.M. our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners to WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Wraps up a great week. Want to take this opportunity to wish a Mazel Tov to Esther and New York State Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder. Brand new baby boy, Mazalta, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous uh, Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Enjoy Shabbos HaGadol. We're back Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. Tuesday's our pre-Pesach product show, don't forget. Naomi Nachman is next, jmnam.org, and the video on nachomsegal.com, and of course on the NSN app, a table for two. Naomi's guests include Susie Fishbein and Jay Bookspam. Saturday Night Segal, tomorrow night. With Avrami, and don't forget Sunday morning, it's Matis wine Weingast Sunday on JM Sunday. That's right, JM Sunday is coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m., jmnam.org. Have a fabulous job. this great weekend. Till next time, Malcolm Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.